Welcome to Court Stormers, a 48 Minutes NCAA podcast. Check us out at 48MinutesNetwork.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the debut installment of Court Stormers on the 48 Minutes Network, our college basketball spectacular show. We're going to get ready for you. There's college season coming up. Tim Daniel here with the air to the Court Stormers throne. Taylor Bergfeld, what's up, buddy? How much, man? How are you? I am living the dream. Really excited for our first guest ever on our debut episode, the coach of North College Hill, former Northern Kentucky basketball player, Mr. Shannon Miner. How are you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. It's, it's great out. It's, it's uh, you know, the sun's shining, and uh, we're going to talk basketball, so not, not two better things than talking basketball and letting the sun shine. I can't ever say I've ever recorded a podcast in a library, so this is new to me. But <laughs> You know what? I was always scared when I went to NKU when they said we had to go to the library and study, and it's like, you know, it's kind of a cool place now to you know, <laughs> sit down and talk basketball, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's a good setting in that. It's quiet. Let's talk some hoops. Yeah, man. So let's start where you're at now. For those that are listening locally will know, Shannon is the head coach of North College Hill, a big-time basketball school in the Cincinnati area. What is it like up there? Because you're playing a lot of tough teams all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to get your players ready for a lot of tough competition week in and week out. What's that like as the coach? Well, you know, I think it started with, with Bill and OJ, with, with those guys and what Jamie Mahavey was able to do because – Whenever guys, other teams come in our gym, they go right to those those banners and they're looking up and they always ask the question, does Bill and OJ come around? I mean, I get that all the time. And so when those guys, what they left there are high expectations. And that's good for our own players too because they see that every day. I'm the gym teacher, so I see it every day. So I'm reminded of it. And it's good to have those expectations even though they're really high expectations. But it's good. And, and, and to have a good program, and I went to school there and, and grew up in North Hill, it means more to me than anything and so I really want to establish a program but I also want to develop young men and we use that basketball as a way to teach life lessons you're going to lose in life and we've all talked about tragedy we're going to talk about that later about our own personal tragedies but we use those things to to build those kids up and uh, North College Hill is a great place we got great kids we got great administration and, and we have great families and it doesn't matter where you coach it could be Indian Hill or North College Hill Kids are kids, and, and they need to be coached, and, and I'm really excited to, to be the leader of the basketball program. So I did see somewhere that you guys are – I saw a little Jordan sponsor. Is that correct? Little Jordan, yeah. We, we uh, See, when you're a Jordan sponsor, it's not really the real Jordan. It's the Jordan with the guy. With the, the team Jordans. Kind of turned to, to the left a little bit more than the other one. When I showed the kids out originally, they were like, Coach, that looks awesome. And, and so whenever you're trying to, to build your program and, and get a good foundation, you got to have some things that – they keep kids there that want to be there. And uh, so we went with a Jordan. You know, Jordan's an old school guy, but, you know, he still has that, that flair where, he, you know, his clothes or his his pose when he dunks and that the kids still still like that. So I'm always trying to change things around. I always ask the kids before I do things because I'm, I'm 42 now, so I'm not the cool young coach <laughs> anymore. So I got to, like, ask those guys for their approval first because I'm, I don't want to be that nerdy uh, high school coach. Exactly. Um, what's what's kind of the expectations this year, um, scheduling wise? Like, you guys, is this going to be one of your better teams in the last few years? Or? Yeah, you know, we return we return some seniors that are going to really help us, and, and we've been thirty eight thirteen over the last couple of years, and you know that's kind of a quiet thing that people don't know. Um, we've had some success, and with that, we got to keep building. And you know, I talk with our administration all the time about <clears throat> we have to retain kids. We can't have kids go to other schools. Yeah. We have to draw those kids and keep those kids at our school and so I try to really build with our younger programs I try to talk to the kids I teach some of the middle school kids I'm always constantly talking to them and selling our, our program and like you know and then the other important thing is we got to try to get some guys in colleges and no matter if it's division one NAIA division two II, division three whatever it is we got to get some guys in college so that they can start building that and have a good foundation and get us because people don't know this like back in the 80s we had some really solid teams I was a little kid then but they had tournament teams that went to the district and, and, and regional and state back in the 80s all the time. So there's a rich tradition there. I understand that tradition, and I want to keep building that. And we also have to include our alumni. we got to get our alumni there. But the schedule is going to be tough this year. We always schedule non-league games really tough because I want to get our guys ready for, for, for the tournament. Our league schedule is always tough as well because you have Summit Country Day, Cincinnati Hills, Christian Academy, um, Cincinnati Christian. There's some really good teams and, and for Division three schools. I was going to say, too, like, all those, like, winning is, you know, important to the coach and everything, but satisfaction of sending your players to college has got to be a big thing for you, you know, just seeing the satisfaction of all their hard work paying off and continuing at the next level with an education, too. It is, and, you know, like, we have a lot of people that they kind of touch each kid at, at the school, like, it's just not the basketball coach. We have other teachers and people in the building, 
And you have to be careful with that sometimes that they get the right advice. And so they have to, and I have to surround myself around good coaching and other teachers and try to explain to them, hey, look, <clears throat> this is where we need to go with this kid, or we need to send him with this AAU program. Hey, they're playing in Orlando this week. We got to get him to there. Because my kids, I tell them, you got to play AAU. Yep. You have to play AAU because you have to be out there in April and July. Okay. And, and I've always said this too, like, it's almost become the AAU season and coaches have more influences and impact than the high school kid, uh, coaches. Now, we do impact those kids because we're around them more, and high school is important, but there's no more important. I mean, uh, AAU is more important because when you're out there on the court, you got 10 guys who are going to probably go to college. Yeah. Those college coaches come, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but they come and watch this quality basketball. It's harder in the, in the winter because those college coaches are coaching their own teams. Yeah. And the competition might not be as good as it is in April and July. But you're exactly right. we we got to get those guys at a college because that, that makes you proud and that builds your program. It builds the brand of your program. So talking about programs, you are, like we said, an alum of Northern Kentucky University. Proud now, huh? Yeah. 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 It's, it's been a lot of fun. Quite, the, fun. Uh, quite the first year of the post-tournament eligibility. Yep. So John Brand has done an amazing job. Just, you know, his first couple of years there, he's got a lot of really good kids, a lot of local kids. Um, pulling kids from places like Louisville, like Levon Holland, who we talked about earlier, we feel could play mm-hmm. an 18 conference in the country. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the job he's done so far, and what do you think they could potentially become? Well, let's go back. Like, let's make sure that um, you know Ken Shields, you know, with the foundation, Mo Hills, his foundation, all those great coaches before him, kind of laid everything out. And Coach Shields will tell you the same thing. Like, he was a spoke in the wheel. There was many other spokes that that added to all that. Um, Dave Beasel. Um, who, who kind of, you know, kind of got a raw deal uh, yeah. on his end. You know, he, sh- he should have been there. Um, he was a defensive guru. So if there's an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator in football, he was our defensive coordinator. Yeah. He's who I learned from, how I play our defense now. <clears throat> Great coach. Um, John Brandon, a Northern Kentucky guy. So when they decided to go another direction, <clears throat> I was hoping they'd get somebody that kind of understood the program, where it was before. Nobody better than John because John is a Northern Kentucky guy, a new exactly. guy. Um, what he's done in, in two years is unbelievable. He's had some great mentors. He's coached, you know, at Alabama, Anthony Grant. I mean, he's been around some great coaches. Yeah. And they would do that that quick. Having the guys back that he's going to have this year, he's got high expectations. When we played, we had some successful years, and you got a big X on your back now. You're not going to sneak up on anybody anymore. Um, LeVon Holland, I mean, he, the, the game he had against UK, I was at the game, and I'm, me and my buddy who played as well, and oh my gosh, I mean, he had that dunk, he had some, you yeah. know, he's just all over playing defense, he's driving the ball, he's got some assists, he can score, he's an all-around great player. Um, I think he's, they're bringing in KU basketball to another level. I hope John is here to stick around for a long time. I know it's harder at the mid-major programs. Um, you know, maybe John sticks around a little bit longer with his success. I don't know, you know, because the financial thing is also a question. And when a school doesn't have the money to pay coaches like that, they end up losing them. Exactly. That's not always a bad thing, though, because when you build a program and a coach leaves, you're going to get another good young coach to probably come in. And so NKU has established that. They're going to be successful this year. They lost one guy from last year's team. I think it was Cole, Cole Murray. Murray. Yep. Yep. Cole Murray was the only guy. Great shooter. Great shooter. And, in fact, going back to that U.K. game, man, there was one point where it was like a one- or two-point game in transition. He could have hit that three. I know. Probably wouldn't have changed the game, but yeah. it would have maybe been like, uh-oh. And just like playing with your little brother in the backyard, and he starts to get closer to you. Like, oh, I better start. Yeah, and... pick the pace up get, you know, on the gas pedal. Um, but what a great experience. Not only do we have the, the regional and local exposure, now we have the national exposure. Always good to hear those guys on TV say Northern Kentucky University. So, when you're watching ESPN and CBS and they say Northern Kentucky University, it makes you proud of where you live and where you went to school. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a big deal. Like, I'm, I'm a current student there right now. I graduate in December. It's, uh, I mean, I was at the selection show already, too, and, you know, seeing that? that, like, yeah. it's, it's a cool thing. Like, wow, I never would have thought when I started my college career there, A, they weren't D1 eligible, and then I went from the A-Sun to the you know, Horizon League and seeing how far they got, and playing a team like Kentucky is awesome. Just you know, when, they, when they did the show, when I played there in the mid-'90s, we were in, a, like, a classroom. Or in a like the university center, we didn't get yeah, what the they whole, had. The whole no, we didn't get all that, and so and ours was like on a on a projector screen, and and I think Coach Shields maybe knew a little bit before we knew, and it was just a different you know different era. But you know all the news were there, and, and the papers were there, and we were Division Two, and we got to host it one year. But to be where it is right now is is, is just unbelievable, and I know that John is, I mean he is 
like every college coach. He just yeah. works extremely hard recruiting and really getting his brand out there. I mean, he's just he's really, really sharp on the offensive end. He knows his offensive basketball. Nothing to take away from his defense. I'm just yeah. saying he is an offensive mind, and, and you can see that when they play. Of course, you got to have good shooters and good players as well. And he's, he's doing a great job. He's killing it with recruiting. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, a kid like Carson Williams who had a really good freshman year for them. That's good basketball. Yeah. yeah he's, he's from Owen County. He's, I mean, I went to Walton Verona, so I've seen him play. Over mm-hmm. His brother Sawyer and now Carson. Seeing him play from the eighth grader to his senior year. Watching him go to Northern. It's just great to get talent. It's just like Drew McDonald as well. Getting kids around here. So that's key to building your foundation like you've been saying. It's key. And, you know, with Carson, a lot of these people that, that are around the, the pro, they, don't, they, they see it, but maybe it's not reported enough. <clears throat> Carson Williams came to – I have a, a young team uh, – that I coach, we have like a little banquet at the end of the year. He came, hung out with all the kids, and I pointed to a couple of them and said, hey, these are like some post guys. Can you go work with some post moves on them? And he went and did post moves. We ate some pizza. They sat down and kind of had a question-answer session with my kids. Not only the good basketball players, good kids. Yeah. And, that, and that's the kind of people that, that we've always recruited at Northern Kentucky University. John Brand's continuing that because we all know if you if you have people that aren't going to do what you ask them to do, when they get on the court, they're not going to do it either. Yeah. So right. you got to have quality people that come from great, great backgrounds. Now, with that being said, you know, when he played that game against UK, he was he was tough to guard too. He was drawing fouls and and and, and again, he's another local guy. It's just it's just good to see our, our young local like guys playing at NKU and, and now yeah. getting that exposure on the national uh, television. We but, talked about it. We were like actually, because we were excited, you know, obviously for seeing a local school adding to the tradition of Kentucky high school, I mean, Kentucky college basketball, not just UK local, but, you know, having them now. Uh, we talked about how pissed off we were that people were just like, I'm really glad they made it, but I hope Kentucky beats them by 30. Like, I was furious. Yeah, you know, I, I did a couple of things on like Channel 19 about, you know, Coach Cal, he doesn't have any magic potion. I mean, he's got great players. I mean, but they still got to play good. So when great players play other great players, it kind of balances out a little bit. But you gotta remember, Coach Shields always says this: it's not how good you are, it's how good you play. Right? Yeah. And so UK was playing; not they were playing up kind of good level competition. I mean, like they, like Charles Barkley said, you know, they don't have all Americans at McDonald's all Americans. They have guys that eat McDonald's, exactly. And that's kind of the case. But but NKU went into it like I always went into the summer league games. Like I'm in there to prove myself against guys from UC and Xavier. Those guys looked at it as an opportunity. We're playing with house money. And we're going to go in there. And, and play. That, that's it. You're supposed to be there. You're going to play like it. You're supposed to be there. And you know what? There's a lot of possessions in the game. They, they made a good showing. It was respectable. And I know they went into the game trying to win it. I know they yeah. did. And, and that's what's good about that team coming back. They have everyone back. So, yeah. except for one. Speaking on like kind of your college career, do you have like a particular favorite game you played in? You like one of your favorite, not not maybe the best game you had, or maybe yeah. one of the best. Well, you know the best games were the national championship yeah. games, which we lost. Um, so that kind of eliminates those. But I mean, the experience—it's like a different feel when you're in a national championship game. It's yeah. different because when you play Division Two, <clears throat> at least then you didn't have those two and a half minute timeout TV timeouts. Yeah. So when you get the national championship game, and there's a guy on the baseline, and then you're huddled with the big CBS cameras, you're <laughs> like. Okay, this is real. And when you're in the timeout, they don't let you leave the timeout. You're in there for two minutes. So if coach, that's why they went to, you know, coaches kind of come out and talk yeah. for a minute and then go in and talk to their team. That's why they do they're that. They're great class. Yeah, because it's too long of a timeout. So, you know, like I'm antsy. I'm ready to go. I'm trying to get up, get my drink of water, get out there, stretch out, you know, get ready. And they don't let you leave. And so those were great games. I'd say the best game was we had a triple overtime game in 1995. And we beat Kentucky Wesleyan to win the uh, GLBC. It was a triple overtime game in the afternoon. We typically played after the girls, but that particular time they were trying to balance it out. So we played before the girls in the afternoon. And the line was all the way out. And if you know Regents Hall, it goes out to yeah. like the street, almost to the administrative buildings. And uh, <clears throat> we beat Southern Indiana on, on Thursday, and they were ranked like maybe fifth, and then Kentucky Wesleyan was like third. So that was probably the best game as a collective group. Yeah. You know, and that kind of brought us into hosting a tournament down in Cincinnati at Riverfront, Riverfront Coliseum at the time. I was going to say, that's when tournaments were played at the, co- like at the college yeah. and stuff, too. So yeah. that makes it a little bit better, the atmosphere. Yeah, and it was, because fans. region did, we couldn't host it at NKU because you had to have so many seats. So that's why we had to move down there, which kind of was like the lower bowl. But you know what, growing up, I went to NCAA tournament games with my dad there. So it's like, this is cool. So you had your own fond memories kind of Yeah, like, and but, so that was really a fun game, too, even though we won one and lost one. So, And you're right, you know. 
you're exactly right. It's not always how good, like, I play. Because I felt like I was the guy. Like, I was the mom that always set the table for all the kids. And, like, <laughs> always got my food last. Yeah. That's how I kind of was. Like, I always wanted to make sure all my teammates were getting their shots and getting everything. Because I figured if I can make them happy, then everybody's going to be happy. And then I kind of took care of myself after that. And so, that was the one good thing about our team. But I would say that game, with that triple overtime game, was probably the best game. That's awesome. Yeah. So, moving forward here, um, talking about, you know, you've built quite a – Quite good relationships in your tenure, being around here, being in this area. One of those particulars with Xavier coach Chris Mack, who, I don't know if you know this about me, I'm a huge Xavier basketball fan. There you go. Like, I'm sure he'll be excited about that. Too much of one. Um, I used to work at a bank. I used to work at PNC. I still work for PNC, but I worked at the PNC on Buttermilk. I see Chris at Dunkin' Donuts every so often. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day. He goes there, gets his coffee and his uh, donuts. And he's always so ni- He's always so nice, and he always talks to me. And like, I don't ever, I'm not like a fanboy, like, I want to know everything about your team, but... I think when you talk about Chris and everything he's done at Xavier, I don't think he's touched his ceiling either. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about the team he had last year that beat Sean Miller, which was really sweet to me. I know. Very sweet. I know. Um, and then you see, you know, he loses Edmund. He lost Edmund in the middle of the year, who we all thought was his best player. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Blewett steps up, and he's awesome for mm-hmm. a long stretch there. That UC game, he was lights out. Oh, yeah. um, what, what are your thoughts on what he's building, what he's built and as he continues to lay these bricks, this, this, these kids he has coming in soon. I mean, Kareem Canner's going to be good for him. Paul Scruggs. The recruiting class is unbelievable. I mean, it's just – I mean, what, what Chris has been able to do, and he's a friend of mine, so it's, it's easy to talk about him because I've seen what he's been able to do. And, that, like, what you see in Chris is what you get. His personality and how he is, like, on radio or TV, that's who he is all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a serious guy. I always say, like, <clears throat> Chris hates to lose a coin toss. <laughs> I mean, because, and he has no control over it. You know, you take Chris to a festival or a carnival and he loses in bars and bells. He's mad. The Bengals, big Bengals fan, they lose. He's mad. I mean, he is the most competitive guy I've ever been around. I will say this about, like, Chris and Xavier. Like, <clears throat> they will be at a Final Four. There's no question in my yeah. mind because Chris is, is very determined. He's had a lot of adversity in his life as a player because he had those three ACLs. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, they didn't, it ain't as quick now. Yeah, it took a while. Chris is very determined. They're gonna. He believes in Xavier. He's had many opportunities to go other places. Yeah, not going anywhere else. It's always been brought up. He's gonna go to this school. He's gonna go to that. He's going to Ohio State now. He's gonna go to Indiana. He's gonna go here. And he's not going anywhere. He knows and he understands. He can get to a Final Four just like a Butler did. Yeah. And I'm not comparing them to Butler, but if there's anybody you can kind of compare them to, yeah, Butler would be a school where I say, okay. They're comparable to them. Like a Wichita State as well. Yeah, like Wichita State, a team like that. That's like I don't want to say a mid-major because I, I know Chris don't like that term. They're not a mid-major. The they're in the Big too. East. Yeah, they're in the Big East. And so they're not a mid-major. They're not getting mid-major players. They're getting the top players. Chris and them will make it to the Final Four. That's why he's staying there. He's not a guy that's going to jump around. And I know the coaches before him did, and they went to other places, but Chris is from Cincinnati. Yep. He went there. It means something to him. I, I just know, like, if you've ever been down to a Xavier practice, I don't know if you have. I haven't. Okay. It's great. I mean, Chris does a great job. He's he's funny. He's sarcastic. And he's serious. And so you, you mix all those up. And he's, he's so smart. Like, the way he coaches in a game against Arizona, like how he could outcoach his mentor. And he knew him that well to outcoach him. It's, and, and, and as coaches, you want to say I'll coach because, you know, we're coaches and that's, you know, you, we go back and forth. It's a chess match. And he did a great job. They lose players. And he's able to, like, get those guys to, like, come together. Yeah. That's how you know you're a good coach. And that's when you know you've recruited really good players. But you go down there, Xavier, the culture, the environment, it's just, like, it's just Fun different place. than anywhere else. And you walk through there and you just, you feel at home. And I went to NKU. I was a Xavier fan growing up because my dad was a big Pete Gillen fan and Skip mm-hmm. Roster fan. Yeah. So I've always been going to camp there. So no better person to to run that program than, than Chris Mack. And if you see him out and you talk to him, of course, if you're, like, asking him too many questions about basketball and that, yeah, if you ask him something else or something funny or ask him about the Bengals, it gets his mind off off his team. And, and he's really uh, he's really a down-to-earth guy. And it's really just fun to hang out with him and, and really yeah. get his brain. I think – um, sorry. I think what you kind of see, like – how he develops players is huge, too. Um, that's kind of what he's really underrated about. Mm-hmm. Edmund Sumner was drafted in the second round by the Pacers. That's a bargain. Mm-hmm. When he's healthy, I think he could very well be – I mean, he's athletic enough to play in the league. He can obviously jump out of the gym. Um, you know, he's probably going to you know, 
play some time for Fort Wayne, you know, in the, in the G League for a little bit. But I think Sumner, with his athleticism, I told Taylor when I saw him play in person, I thought he could be a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a testament to how good Chris is. is this guy tore his leg to shreds, and he still got drafted. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to continue, too. Like, seeing somebody like uh, Quentin Gooden, like, watching him in the state tournament over the years with Taylor yeah. County, like, some, a guard who's, you know, really physical and got his way with the Kentucky players. But, you know, and Xavier, he's developed a shot and – just kind of what Tim said, that like just speaks on Chris's uh, developmental patterns there. I mean, they're going to be loaded. And he's a freshman. He played big minutes in the tournament, and after Edmund went down, that's just only good for his confidence going forward. I think you're right. I mean, he <clears throat> being a guard, and I think the one – I wouldn't say not, but one thing he's kind of struggled on was maybe finishing around the rim when he got to the basket. And, you know, with time, he'll, he'll learn that, use his body, make contact. I mean, Chris, is, he's just done an unbelievable job with those guys. When he was struggling last year when those guys went down, yeah. to get those guys and rally them up. And remember when they were, like, counting them out? They're not going to be in the tournament. Yeah, they had to win the, apparently they had to win the yeah. Big East to get in. They went on that little run. But. Went on a little run, and they believed. And I'm just telling you, like, and people down in Xavier understand this and people close. I mean, Chris is so determined. He understands that they're going to get to a Final Four if they keep doing what they're doing. I mean, it, it, it sounds – some people say it sounds crazy or whatever. I mean, Virginia, was it um, – uh, who was it that did it? George BC, Mason yeah. did it. BC, BC, yeah. You know, Butler. I mean, it's it's possible. So it's it's not like kind of 25, 30 years ago where a team like that could do it. Like, it's a possibility. And Chris really believes that. And he's got his staff believing it. He's got the administration. And he also has those players believing that. I think – and you can tell me if you can tell more on this than I can probably. <laughs> I think what I always love is the time around the Crosstown. And Nick and Chris got to do that. those shows together. And you can just see, like, there's photos of them saying next to them. You can just tell they're both just staring straight forward. <laughs> and those are my favorite photos. It's funny because I know both those guys. And I know Chris way better than I do. And I do know, you know, Nick's brother Dan a lot better. Does fall, uh, fat ball, ball guy racing, okay. you know, so – we have lunch together sometimes, and we talk basketball like we're doing right now. And, uh, you know, Chris, I can tell you this, he's a lot funnier than, than Meg. He's a, funny, <laughs> he's a lot, but those guys really do get along. I know, like, when they, they come to the Crosstown show, yeah. it's like, you know, Mac versus Cronin and UC versus Avery. Those guys are good friends off the court, and they both play in the GCL. When mm-hmm. He went to LaSalle, and, and Chris went to St. X. And, and they really recruit different different type players. It's, yeah. it's weird how... You know, they, they don't go after the, the same type of players. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other day. But I'm just saying, like, that's that's their, kind of their philosophy yeah. on that. But they're they're both funny guys. And uh, they got really good personalities. And you know what? They represent this area in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area. And, and it gives a sense of pride when we go places. And you say you're from Cincinnati. And someone says, hey, that, that cross-down shootout game or that Xavier yeah. game, it really makes you feel good. And, and then to add in NKU and that, it, it's just a lot of fun. So one of my questions I kind of had I wanted to ask was, uh, you know, like I've mentioned, I'm a huge Xavier basketball fan, but I also grew up a huge Notre Dame fan in all sports. So you talk about Chris Mack, you talk about Mike Bray, who are two unbelievable X and O coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to a podcast Mike Bray did a few years ago, I mean a few weeks ago, my apologies, and he talked about Notre Dame is actually open to bringing one-and-done players and how much that could really help them. Because those are two schools that really, Xavier and Notre Dame, those are two schools in the last three years, they've been in the Elite Eight. You know, they've all been in Sweet 16s. There are two schools that aren't really known for, like, Notre Dame's not known for basketball. Obviously, Xavier right. is. Do you think that that's something where Xavier might, you know, Chris Mack and crew might be open to a one-and-done player? You know, I think when they recruit players, I think they bring them in. And, and you know, you've been down to Xavier. When you walk in there, all the NBA players in their jerseys yeah. down that hallway as you walk. I think it just stands for itself. I mean, it, they don't have to say anything. I think it's leading by example in terms of, like, the players that have been through there, David West and, and – uh, I can't think Brian of, Grant. Brian Grant, you know, Byron Larkin before that, you know, uh, Stan Kimbrough, all those guys that have been there. I don't really think when Chris goes in there and recruits, he says, hey, look, you can be in the NBA someday. I think when you when you bring a, 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 a student athlete in there and they walk, they see all that stuff. So when I think Chris talks to their parents, it's not like, hey, if he does really good this year, he'll get drafted. I think if you put in the work, it's just like that in the business world or anything. If you really work hard, you're going to reach your goal. And your goal might be NBA. It might be the Final Four. It might be overseas. It just depends. I think every kid that goes to college wants to play in the NBA or overseas. I mean, that's a goal you should have. Now, like I tell my players in CH, when we're looking at colleges, you got to have a plan B. It can't be UK, North Carolina, and Duke when you're not that material. you got to have a plan B. And so I think Chris goes in there. I don't think he's encouraging one and done. I really don't. I think if it happens, I think what Chris does, and I know this, he'll, he'll say, hey, look, you need to go talk to your family, number one. What's best for you and your family? Okay, and that's number one. 
And then after that, Chris will say, hey, look, you need to go to some of these, um, you know, the, the, the pre-draft um, yep. tryouts and all that kind of stuff in the, in the workouts. Yeah, and the yeah. So you go to that. You need to test the waters. Okay. So what Chris does is, and, and the coaches and the players have to do this, they have to get feedback from those, those yeah. um, general managers and those, those scouts yeah. and to they, see where they're they drafted. The, with the combine themselves, they delay the process. Like you can enter the combine, go, enter the draft without an agent, go through those meetings and everything, and then decide. That's right. a big thing for the players too, because and that's good because you don't want kids getting stuck. Yeah, and you know, and we we know like the draft only two rounds. Half the players are are probably European players. Yeah, yeah. and then the other half are maybe the American other college players, and it's just so hard to get drafted. And so Sumner, yes, if he wouldn't have got hurt, he probably would have been a first round, could have been a lottery pick. Someone's going to take a chance on him because he's been injured. We don't know how well he's going to come back. And so I think Chris is like, you know, I think that's in the back of everyone's mind. I'm sure college coaches are thinking about coaching the NBA someday. I'm sure yeah. Brad Stevens, in his mind, when he started, man, I would love to coach the NBA. He had some success and he got there. So I think these players are thinking that. Yeah. Chris is not standing in front of everybody and going, hey, look. We really play good this year. You guys are all going to be in the NBA. I think it's something over each individual player they develop this over time. And I kind of go back and forth on the one I've done myself. Like I'm a North Carolina fan out of college, and it's just you look at teams when they've won it previously and look at the last five or six national championship teams. They're not all freshmen. They're not starting mm-hmm. five. you got key pieces, seniors and juniors and everything, players who've been in tournaments before. So, like, I've always been on board of if you have a player that's one of them material and he has a great year. Like, like for, I'm going to bring up Tony Bradley from North Carolina. They won it all this year played big minutes in the tournament and throughout the season. Like, what what more is there to accomplish in your college career other than winning at all? So if you can go turn pro and make money, do that. So, I mean, it's – I mean, of, you guys all know someone came to you and said, hey, look. Yeah. You want to work for ESPN? <laughs> I mean, you're going to say, no, man, I'm really, you know, I really want to stick, you know, in Northern Kentucky. You know, I'm not going to go to Connecticut or wherever or yeah. L.A. Yeah, I'm going to stay with my podcast. Like, I'm, no, I can't do Sports Center. Yeah. So, I mean, that should be your, your dream. I mean, understand that there's steps, short-term goals and steps they have to get – to be at that point, you yeah. can't just take one giant step. Some guys are more lucky than others, and some guys have to, you know, you know, I'm in the high school level. Would I like to coach college? Yeah, but I mean, right now I'm at the high school level. I'm developing kids, trying to get them to be in college. If it ever came up, I would entertain it. I would ask my family, but that's what Chris does with these players. And look at like Gonzaga, for instance. How many guys are one and done there? Zach Collins, nobody on that team this year. Okay, and then how about the um, Zabonis kid? Was he there four years? Yeah, he was there four years. Four years, he's in the NBA. Right? Yep, he was okay. uh, Pacers now. Pacers, he was in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, I'm, this is what I'm trying to say. It's like Gonzaga's a school, like, they developed their players. They went to a Final Four. They can be done. Yeah. But now when you're getting these McDonald's All-Americans, they're going to North Carolina and Duke, like Luke Kennard. It's kind of hard. Yeah. They're waving that in front of you going, hey, look. And I know Duke didn't win it all. Yeah. But, God. you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can look at it that way. Yeah. You know, I'm... I, I I'm, I like Duke. I oh, think they man. do it the right way. I just I like. Them. Yeah. I'm not a huge Duke fan. I got you. Not like Tim's a huge like Xavier guy. Like I'm yeah. not a huge Duke guy. Yeah. I just like college basketball. I like talking about yeah. it. I think guys that do it the right way. He's an icon, Coach K. Yeah. So is um, Roy Williams. Is a great coach too. So. Yeah. But you know what? When you have great players, coaching loves them. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you got great players. Yeah, that's wild. And I think Xavier, really, going back to them, I think, you know, like you mentioned, his players, as David West, as Brian Grants, like, that's a huge selling point for them, too, is, yeah, you know, they were, quote-unquote, a mid-major for a long time, but David West just won a title, and he played a lot of minutes for the Warriors. And he's years. proud to be Xavier. He, yeah. He, never left he has a tattoo on his arm. He has a tattoo. Yeah. Didn't get all, you know, the great thing about, about David is, and this is something people don't see either, he coaches an AAU team. Yeah. I mean, he has his own AAU, and a lot of those guys do now. They yeah. all have them. But David is a guy, I'm like, I watched him coach. Man, he is into the game. You know how when he played at Xavier in the NBA, he's like always clapping, yeah. giving high fives, and he's all excited. When I watched him coach his AU team, man, he was into it. Because his name's on it, like, he, it, it's his brand. And, like, he was just, man, he was good with those kids. And it's just neat to see, like, guys that are being successful in the NBA from, from Xavier and UC and that. It's just really good to see those guys have success and to give back to the young kids. So being a high school coach and, you know, you said you mentioned that you got, you know, being your close with Chris and Nick and those guys, you got to make a trip out to Vegas recently to kind of see some, some young high school talent. When you're a coach and you're kind of seeing kids play at the same level you're coaching, what do you look for? What do you look to see if you can adapt to your team? Well, what I take when I went back to school, I told those guys in North College, like, you guys understand, there's a whole nother level. Like, people say good. There's all kinds of different levels of good. There's different levels of great. There's different levels of, of bad. I told those guys, like, you, and I tell my own kids this, my, my son, my two sons, and my daughter, like, you guys got to work hard. It doesn't matter if it's basketball or what you want to do. You know, a podcast. 
You got to be prepared. You got to work hard in order for it to be a good podcast. Same with basketball. So when I was out there in Vegas, these guys are just so big, so athletic. It's like you just don't have an appreciation for yeah. it until you're sitting courtside. Exactly. Okay. When you're sitting there, like you have so many people tagging, you know, at these kids, like telling them what they should do. They get so much bad advice from people. I see that too. Like then I get to see the college coaches interact with each other. It's so neat to see those guys that compete in the wintertime. Like, be friends and share information because that's really what we're trying to yeah. do. We're sharing information because there's one thing might work for me, might not work for you, but it's good to share it because mm-hmm. it might work one day with your team. It's just good to see everything interact. It's a great venue out there. If anybody ever gets a chance to, like, go out to Vegas, obviously Vegas is, is a neat <laughs> place. But to be honest with you, you don't spend a lot of time in Vegas when you're going to watch basketball and you're a basketball junkie yeah. like we are. You go from gym to gym. They have um, – a convention center. They had like seven courts. That's where the LeVar Ball um, yeah. game happened when he got in, in an argument yeah. Yeah, with the Reverend, which is a whole nother issue. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> that gym, it's, it's just like the convention center in Cincinnati. Like they just threw out six courts. It's it's awesome. It's 110 degrees out there. And they have a minor league baseball team, which Chris and I couldn't believe the Mets have their, trip, their, their baseball team out there. But in the gym, it's freezing cold. And it's just a great experience. I mean, then you got to drive. It's like driving from from Ryle High School to Mason okay. to Anderson to Lawrenceburg. I mean, you're going all over the place. And it's just a great experience. And it was able for me personally to understand, like, where I need to get my kids, my own personal kids at home and my North College kids, if they want to get to that next level, whatever that next level is in college, you got to work extremely hard. Some of these guys are just naturally gifted. Okay. Then if you add work ethic and skill to it, that's when you get the these dudes are unbelievable. Zion Williamson was yeah. out there. I mean, he didn't look like much, but he's like Charles Barkley. Like yeah. a, he could jump. He's big. Can I ask a question about him? Yeah. Can you shoot? You know what? I didn't. See I didn't him see him shoot. shooting highlights. I didn't see him shoot. You know, I was here about this dunking stuff. My son, yeah. you know, he knows more than I do. Exactly. He's, he's always on, you know, Instagram and all that stuff. He's like, Dave, you gotta watch him play. I did not see the game versus him and ball, but I did see him play. He's got a little bounce to He kind of reminds me of, like, Charles Barkley. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, he is Charles Barkley, but he looks like him. He doesn't yeah. look much like a player. Once you get a name for yourself, like, everybody's around that. Yeah. He was on the main court. Yeah, that whole game, the game with Lamella, that's so, like, that was the LeBron thing. couldn't get in it. Yeah, that's not. It was great, and thank goodness I wasn't there, because yeah. I don't like crowds. I don't like all the, like, hoopla and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I was at another game, but it's just good to see all that, and the recruiting process has changed, like, from when I played, you know. It's, it's just crazy. And then you got, you know, cell phones now and, and social media. So yeah. as soon as something happens, it's posted. You I can dunk on any court. It's on Twitter and Instagram at that minute. And college coaches, you know, they're they're texting, you know, kids after games. Yeah. You know, they can't talk to them, but they can text them. You can, you know, there's so many different rules. You yeah. can't really know your rules. Hey, you bump yeah. into them. You know, you can't really you can't say, say anything. Yeah, you can't say anything to them. They have the coaches, like, on one side, the yep. parents on the other side. It's just... It's just a great setting. I wanted to stay out there longer. I want to. I want to keep doing. You know, something like it, it's just a lot of fun when you're a basketball junkie. Like you said, I've been up to Indianapolis and Lexington for the UIBL events and the different Adidas gauntlets and stuff. And yeah, like the courts are set up. And I mean, you get there at eight a.m. first game, last game tips at eight thirty, and those coaches sit there on every baseline. And I mean, it might be just to show the recruits that they're there watching them play. Because I mean, they have enough tape and they've watched them over the summers growing up. But, I mean, it's, it's a long day just sitting there watching. And, and you said it's cool to see Coach K, Coach Williams talk to each other, Coach Tyler Perry walking and talking to the fans and everything. It's crazy. Like, and Taylor, you're right. I saw as far as, like, you just don't get a real appreciation unless you're there. I can't remember the point I was going to make, but I will say this. Every college big-time coach, I mean, if you said a name, I'd say he was there. I mean, yeah. you go Bob Huggins, yep. Coach K, Ward Williams, uh, uh, what's his name, Chris Mons was, yeah. was sitting there. Uh, and then you walk through like the hotel, and I'm being serious. We're at the hotel, and we walk right by. LeBron James is not in the in the back plane. He's on the regular table playing cards. There's maybe they look like high school kids, but they could be allowed in there. Had to be some like college yeah. kids in there. He's talking like three or four. I'm like nobody. Russell Westbrook is right there playing cards. I mean, it's crazy how these guys they, they put their hat on. They they kind of mingle in with everybody. And you really don't notice them. The same thing happened to me. I was at uh, Christian Watford played in Indiana. The shout out to Kentucky. His younger brother as big recruit in the class of 2018. I was sitting courtside watching the game, watching a couple of North Carolina teams oh, yeah. as well. And there's a picture from the, like Indianapolis News. Victor Oladipo is standing to my right, but like blocking my view of the game. And I kept looking around him. I asked him to move because he was like standing up. Him and Watford and like. 
Caleb Swanigan was there. And, like, it's just – and the coaches are always nice walking through the crowd. Just talking so to nice. It's a great – like, if any college basketball fan needs to, like, take a trip to Lexington or to India every time it's up there and spend Man. a day, and you'll be amazed at how much you see. You just see so much. I mean, I saw, like, Bobby Hurley. Yeah. I know you probably don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get at that. But – I mean, I went up to him and said, hey, look, man, I played point guard. You know, he don't know me. I said I played, you know, Division two school. We were successful, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of made a connection with him because I think his dad coached um, when he was at, uh, where was he at? St. Pat's. Yeah, St. Pat's. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna close that down. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. But the guy that was there with him at Cubcap, Rusats, was an assistant there. So I kind of made a connection. And we shook my hand, got a picture. We talked for about 15 minutes or whatever. It was just cool to talk to another point guard guy that you saw on TV growing up. Yeah. That you would think would never talk to you. But he was so down to earth. You know, I know when he was maybe a dude, he probably got, you know, people recognize him more. Yeah. But, like, he was so, he was just so nice. And then you go to a restaurant or you go in the in the, in the, in the hotel and there's Jim Boeheim. I'm like, my son's a huge Syracuse fan. Probably don't like that either. But <laughs> I'm sitting there like, coach, you know, like, can I get a picture? He's like, yeah, sure. And we're in a restaurant. And he's just, you know what, though? Like, like I was saying when I was out there, I would say probably over 70% of people, when you're walking through a through a casino, they don't even recognize. They wouldn't even know. Like, they wouldn't even know that that's Wessel Rustbrook. They they don't. They just don't because people are so focused on other yeah. things. And we're those guys that really know right. the basketball players. But, you know, nobody was, like, hounding those guys while I was out there. It was really, really cool. Shaq was out there. His um, son's going to Arizona. Going to Arizona. He's going to play for Sean Miller. So, like, yeah. you know, it's just it, – it, it's really a who's who. I mean, there, there was a one guy that he was like, hey, was this coach out there? Yeah, he was out there. Oh, I know what the point I was going to make. These guys, when they're recruiting, and you you touched on it, they're really on someone. They go to all those games. Yep. And if it's the guy they want, it's the head coach going. Yep. He's going. He's sitting. It doesn't matter. So if you're driving from Ryle High School and you got to drive all the way up to Lebanon, you're driving. I see it. Because those other coaches from those other schools are going to be there. You better be there. Yep. And you already know what this kid can do, but you've got to be there because you're in the top, their top five, top ten. Now, yeah. when you get an offer now, you know how this goes. Those kids post it right away. Yep. Instagram. Instagram. And Twitter. Like, hey, I'm getting it from this university. Yeah. Bam. It's out there. So, And then coaches see that. Yeah. And that's kind of like – it's funny because coaches are looking to see what other kids are doing you know, so they can know what their next move is because now another school offered them. So how are they going to – you know, counter that offer. Yeah, you know, how are they going to approach it? What angle are they going to take now? Because this Big Ten school offered them, and they're a Big E school. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that in recruiting. And, and those guys meet a lot, you know, the college coaches, yeah. over dinner, in the rooms, and they figure out what the approach is going to be, just like you would in, the, in a draft war, uh, war room. I think my favorite in the, like, the coach or relationship was, you could see it during the, you know, those, like, two or three years of UConn and Kentucky, we were just fighting every mm-hmm. year was how much Jim Calhoun and, Le- and uh, John Calipari just did not like each other. <laughs> and it was so fun because it would do those, like, television interviews where it's, like, the coach in the room by himself. And you could just see, like, they're like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just because of Cal- Coach Cal, who he is and the success that he's had. And those guys, like you said, one-and-done guys. And he gets all the great players, and then they go on. You know, there's the documentary about him, the one-and-done. And yeah, so, it's a good doc. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, there's some things I learned on there. Every time I watch them, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't know that. You know, when he was at UMass or whatever, or whoever he coached as a college coach now. But, you know, those those uh, those one-and-done guys, I mean, he's he's kind of created that monster. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of coaches don't like that. I think it it, it – Shows the times like Bayheim. It does. Don't it does, and I, I don't say it hurts the game. I think it affects the game. And, yeah. and when I mean by affects it, it can affect it positively, and it could be negatively. And uh, I'm not going to say it hurts the game. No. Because again, it goes back to if someone's going to offer you a job where you're going to make more money, you're going to take that job because you've been working your whole life to get where you want to get to. Exactly. So why keep wasting? And you got injury, then you get hurt, and then you don't get that guaranteed money. Or your stock just doesn't improve. Doesn't improve. Maybe your team's not as good. I, I get it. It's so. So it is a business decision. Those those college coaches and those NBA coaches and general managers, it's all business decisions. Yep. They're, they're, they, they, they fire their friends. They get rid of their friends because they have to to save their job. If they don't, they're on the street. They, they're, they're gone. So it's, it's a business, and, and the kids got to make the same business decisions. Um, so kind of following up on this, too, like you, know, you mentioned your high school coach. You play college ball. There's a big discussion now in the NBA that are so one and done potentially being eliminated. We talked about how it affects the game. Just a few seconds ago, as a high school coach, as a guy who's kind of like this, is, this has been a touchy subject for years now in the NBA, in the NBA's collective bargaining agreement. What is your take on the potential end of one and done? To end it, you know, I think I think it goes back to what we're just saying. Like, how can you tell a person that's ready to go into the you know business field or 
radio and TV or the NBA, like, hey, look, you can. I mean, why can't a guy go straight to it? I mean, I don't know all the, the bargaining and, you know, I don't get into all that kind of stuff. I just don't know how you can tell someone if they're ready to do something. Why they can't do it. You'll see a lot more like what Emmanuel Moutier did, Terrence Ferguson, mm-hmm. they went to China and Australia respectively to play different leagues and stuff. You'll right. see that. But, I mean, I, the only thing I could take away if the one and done is college basketball itself would be a lot more competitive. So, teams like Xavier mm-hmm. and Butler and Wichita State and other schools, smaller schools, they, they might be able to get better talent because, you know, the Carolinas, the Dukes, Kentucky can't reload every year. Right. Some of these, you know, the classes get expanded. Kids start going elsewhere. But I'm with you. I can't, I can't justify yeah. telling a kid, like, you balled out all year. You made it to the Final Four. You're a top five pick. Next year, let's say you average five points less a game than your 15th pick. That's millions of dollars right there. It is. And, you know, like me being always the underdog, being the short guy, yeah. like never being the big D1 guy, like I'm always rooting for those. Like I want to say mid-major, but not like the Dukes. Yeah. Sorry, the North Carolinas <laughs> there. The, you know, like UCLA, like I always want the NKUs, the Butlers, the Wichita States, because those are the ones that do keep the guys for four years. They're doing it. I wouldn't say – the right way that the other teams are the one and dones are doing it the wrong way. Like I said, there's a positive and negative to all that kind of stuff. But I'm always rooting for the ones that stay for four years, get their education. Now a lot of those guys that are one and done go back and do get their education yeah. afterwards. I don't think you can it's a big wide brush, like when you paint it. Like I don't think there's one right wrong right way or wrong way. I think it really depends on the kid and the situation. And so for me to sit here and go, Man, they have to go for one year. What's one year going to do? What classes are they taking for one year? That Ben Simmons doc is a perfect example. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great example of, like, he wasn't taking – I mean, it's it's pointless. Just to say, hey, he took it. It's like – you know, it's like ah. – so, you know, I just think it's good for those guys. And that's the thing that's unique about, like, you see in Xavier. Like, they do develop those guys. And yeah. when they are ready after their second or third year – then let them go once they talk to their family. And that's that's a unique thing about, about what we have locally here. But I don't think they're going to, you know, I just think it's hard to do that for, for to say, hey, you, you know, you got to at least go for, for a year or so. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I uh, you'll appreciate this being from the local guys and you see things. So I want to tell you this story, even though we're recording, I thought you'd find this funny. So, like we talked about, I covered the big three in Lexington this past weekend. Mm-hmm. The day before, I go to Champs in Florence, and I'm picking up a pair of sneakers. New Jordans just came out. So, DeMar Johnson's right in front of me. Played mm-hmm. at UC, played yeah. in the league for a while. He plays mm-hmm. for that three's company team. I knew who he was, obviously, because it goes back to the whole thing where if people don't know, they don't, yeah, know. They don't know. So, I go up and say, hey, DeMar, how are you? Um, I work media. I'm going to be at the big three tomorrow. And he's like, cool, I'll see you there. So this guy walks up to me, and he's like, hey, who is that? Because, you know, tall guy, you know, yeah. first thought is basketball player. So I go like Samar Johnson, he played at UC for a year, he used to be in the league. And he goes, runs with and goes, goes and he's like, man, we have this shit Ice Cube's got on TV every week, this big three, three-on-three basketball, what the hell is that? He goes, I play in it. And the guy's like, oh, dude, I heard it's live, I heard it's great. <laughs> Things just turn around the way. You know what is good, and I talked to you about that, I thought it was, you know, it's, it, I wanted to go down there, I couldn't go down there, I mean, you know more about the experience, but like watching on TV... It's really cool. It's good for those guys that are a little bit older. Yeah. Like I told you, it's almost like Gus Macker or Hoop It Up. Where yeah. Guys like me don't don't really, you know, can't survive in a league like well, that's that. That's the point I made was you could just tell, like, like Bonzi Wells was the last press conference we had the day because his team won that game. Mm-hmm. They beat Mike Bibby's team, who had Ricky Davis. Mm-hmm. That team was pretty loaded. And you could hear them talking about it, and you could just tell with Bonzi Wells specifically, like, he was so thankful. Mm-hmm. Like, He's like, Ice Cube gave us a chance. We miss competing. We miss, you know, that competitive nature does not leave a professional athlete. And so, like, Bonzi Wells just being so excited. Like, there's a play in the game. Kenyon Martin makes this ridiculous block on the Sean Stevenson. Like, he looked like he was playing for New Jersey. <laughs> and they're jawing, and they're going at it. And it's just so fun. And, like, I think it's neat because, for me, I'm a huge Mama Maduro fan. So I can oh, see yeah. him at 47 still balling, and it's pretty sweet. I think over the years, the big three is going to expand. You'll get bigger stars. Like, I mean, people. I mean, I get it. First year of something, you don't know if it's going to be a flop or it's going to be a success. Right. And bigger names, you know, Iverson not playing every week and, you know, he's suspended. That's another talking thing. But, you know, more stars are going to come out, which makes it competitive, like you said. These guys, like a guy like Kwame Brown, a guy who was the number one pick overall, didn't have a great NBA career. He's out here balling, you know, just doesn't want to be remembered as the biggest bust in NBA history. So, like you said, the competitive nature just doesn't go away over time. It's, it's good. I mean, I like watching it. I think the rules are kind of neat. They're yeah. neat, and they change, you know, the scoring to where it was from 60 to 50. Yeah. Make it a little bit shorter. And then that way you get a better game because it's not so drawn out and yeah. so long. 
It's a good comp. I mean, I really like it, and I think you got someone like Ice Cube behind it, so you got somebody that's going to really be able to promote. And then that generation, those guys that are in their 40s that knew who Ice Cube was, and those are the guys that are really yeah. supporting it hard. And, and it's just good. It's something different. I don't know how long it'll last. I don't know if they'll go younger and try to get some of the younger stars when they, when they start fading out, or maybe they have an injury. Yeah. So it'll be, you know, I wish they would have had something like that. But, like, again, I said, I ain't the kind of guy. My guy in there was Jason Williams, and he got hurt the, I think yeah. the first week. Yeah, the chocolate. Yeah, that was the guy. Like, that was the team I was rooting for 15 years ago or whatever when he was playing for Sacramento. That was my team, Sacramento. Is he one of your favorite players growing up? Like, you know what? Growing up was Larry Bird. Nah, but, of course. Yeah, but, you know, I was like the Celtics, Parrish, yeah. and all those guys, and, you know, all those guys, uh, Jerry Seasting and, uh, you know, Bill Walton and, you know, Reggie Lewis, unfortunately, you know, with, with his death. But, I mean, he was a big, you know, a big part of that, like, when I was growing up. But I was always a big Larry Bird fan. Yeah. And then watching White Taco play, it's like, that's how you have to play if you're going to be a guy like that in the NBA. Like, yeah. you got to be a little bit flashy. That's what sells. And that's what young kids like, you know. And the other like pass in the All-Star game. Yeah, and, yeah, like, if you can't dunk, and I know Jace Williams could dunk, but if you're not, like, a big dunk, slam dunk guy, you got to have something. Yeah. To like sell your brand and like he was just so good at passing and he was like on the edge a little bit and like exactly. he came from that like rocky you know west virginia kind of like with randy moss and so i kind of like that whole his whole persona and who he was he had the whole crowd of lexington when we were playing florida against kentucky going at him the game he, he, that's like, what i mean he's at the edge he's just not afraid of any competition he's the guy you love to hate yeah like that's the guy it's like too. the jj reddick could do like that's the dude you yeah. love to hate <laughs> Kill but a guy that can play ball, yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because you can't. Can that that's another one. <laughs> on the flip side. So, like, if he's no good, you're not going to hate on him. But when he's really good, that's really when you want to hate on a guy. And, like, you know, I watched, I, there was a documentary on J.J. Reagan that I'd love to have my son watch it. I thought it was great. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just good to see those, you know, those are the kind of guys I like, like Jason Williams. It was, it was sad to see him. I hope he can come back from that and play. But as you get older, those injuries, people ask me all the time, you want to play like, in the league? And I'm like, I'm out. My favorite player. My favorite player was Penny Hardaway. Oh yeah. So like you like that documentary? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Him and Shaq. So like when they were like saying like all these older players are coming back or play half court, and I was like, Penny Hardaway gonna play? Mm -hmm. Then why is he not playing? I don't know. Well, he's um he's coaching that team in Memphis, and they're super good. That's right. He's got a high school team. Did he take over for his friend? You too. His yeah. friend had passed, and he took over that team. Yeah, he, uh, well, yeah, because I think the story was his friend had coached the team, mm -hmm. and, like, he was kind of struggling with his health, and he asked Penny to be his assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And then he had to leave for a little while, and, of course, you know, unfortunately, led to his passing, and Penny took that team. Mm -hmm. um, Taylor's talking about he's seen his team at EYBL. Team you know? Penny, I, it's funny, like, the younger crowd, he walks through the crowd, and they're looking for college coaches, and I walk, when I was looking at my friend, I'm like, Penny Hardaway, and kids just walk right past him. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. I'm like, and then Patrick Hume was there, walked right yeah. past me, and, like, Oh my gosh, that's Patrick Ewing. Now he's the coach at Georgetown. Yeah. You know, Chris Mullins. I mean, there's your old Big exactly. East right there. It's exactly. like, yeah. oh crap. These dudes are walking right by me. These are guys like I see all these highlight films on VHS. <laughs> these guys are now walking by me. What does Chris think about that coach star power there now? Like Ewing and Mullins being in that conference. You know, it's funny because, like, I think they have like a funny um, running joke one to see who's the best basketball player coach in the Big East. Yeah. In the Big East. And so, you know, Chris is competitive. Chris is number one. You know, you ask him, he's the best one. You know, because all those guys are older now. Yeah. And so, like, when Chris and I used to play one-on-one, -on -one, we used to play, if you remember, Michael Hawkins, who I actually saw out in Vegas. He's out there. His daughter's playing. He played for uh, Team USA one year. I don't know if it was one of the lower teams or whatever. He won a gold medal. But us three used to play one-on-one -on -one at local high schools. When we play one-on-one, -on -one, you have to play either three or five dribbles. Yeah. You can't just dribble unlimited. Of course. Because then Chris could just back me down, or I can just get the ball and dribble around the three-point line until he gets tired. Yeah. And then go on for a layup. So we would always play one-on-one. -on -one. So that's the thing we were saying like about Patrick Ewing. Like, if you played three dribbles, and he got the ball at the top of the key, and he took a dribble, and you kind of swiped at him, he picked it up. What's he going to do? He's going to shoot. You get your hand up. So now Patrick Ewing's guarding Chris. What's he going to do? If he stays off, Chris will shoot. If he gets yeah. close, okay. he can go around him. Because Patrick's now guarding someone that can go around. He's not guarding another center. And so, and then you got Chris Mullen, you know, and so he's a good shooter. And then who else do you have? Oh, Wojciechowski. Yeah. You know, that's a guy that's going to run through the floor. Wall. Yeah. <laughs> now, he's a defensive guy. He yeah. might struggle a little bit of offense, but he's a defensive guy. So they're, like, trying to rank who, who's the best, you know, player coach in that league. And it's just funny, like, like I said, when you hear those guys talking and you're around those guys, it's just they're really down-to-earth guys. And it's just really, uh, it's really cool to be around those guys. So let's talk a little bit about something else here real quick. Um, I do want to touch on this because I think it's a really cool thing you do all the time. It's uh, 
can't be doing all your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dad had unfortunate passing, obviously, but you did this camp in his honor where you're teaching youth kids to play basketball. I think what's really cool about it is, like, for the three of us, like, this was our love. Like, we got a ball in our hand. Like, I was never a great basketball player, but I loved it. I watched everything I could. You know, Taylor's a huge NCAA guy, so you get to kind of, in a way, pass that generation on, <laughs> and you kind of keep it going. Like, not the basketball's ever going to go away, mm-hmm. but you're really, with this camp you do, it's an awesome reason for why you do it. And I think it's really neat because it's a way for you to kind of keep the tradition alive. Mm-hmm. So talk about the camp, what your goal is with it, and, uh, you know, what, what, you know, how you, how it all came together. First of all, like I said, remember you said you weren't really great, but there's different levels of great, Tim. You were probably pretty good. I couldn't shoot. Okay. I could pass. But, you know, but you might be able to play deep. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's different levels of good, so maybe right. we're a good player. But going to that, like, what happened was my dad passed. Like, you, you try to do things to honor. You try to, like, you know, do you want to set a cross where, you know, in the, in the side of the road? Do you want to write a book? Do you want to, like, you know, I'm a basketball coach. I'm a gym teacher. So why not hit on things that I'm really good at or that I feel like I'm confident at? And that's doing basketball camps. And so when we developed the camp, we wanted to make it interesting and different than the other camp. And I know there's some out there, but what we try to do is we keep the dad at the camp. So they do all the drills with their son or daughter. Yeah. So it's a father-child because I, my sister and I, um, my dad and mom are I mean, they did everything. My dad was more of the sports where he'd go out there and do all the sports. He would pitch to us, you know, hit ground balls to us, kick soccer, rebound, and that. My mom did most of the driving around yeah. and cooking, all the other stuff. And so we wanted to find a way to honor it. So the way that we try to do it is we try to do it to where the dads stay there. So you know your traditional camp, you come, you drop them off, you got your briefcase, I'm going to go to work, I'll be back, I'll pick you up at four. We didn't want that. So we do it for a four-hour camp, it's one day. And so when you go to a regular regular camp, you have stations. Okay, we have eight stations. You have your ball handling, your drilling, your shooting, boxing out. Well, one of our stations is the dads versus kids station. So we added that in the station. I have two energetic coaches. When the kids come over and their dads, because we pair them up with their kids. Yeah. Hey, I got the dads. I got the kids. And we get them. I have a referee over there. They're playing. That's one of the stations. So that's a lot of fun. The kids love that. Then after that, it takes like an hour and a half. And after that, I always have a college coach there. So we have Ken Shields there. We had Chris Mack. Um... Who else? We have John Brandon. We have Terry Nelson okay. this year, who was really, really good. Terry was great. We're going to try to get Mitt. Mitt keeps saying he's going to come. Last two years he had some things going on that he couldn't make it with, with the scheduling. But they come in. We sit them down with the dads in our room. There's you know, 50, 60 dads in there. And so we talk about things like year-round training, coaching your own kids. What can we do to motivate our kids? So really the dads just kind of brainstorm. And we try to come up with ideas. Because I want the dads to get something. I want the kids to get something out of this. That's why we do the stations. Because I have good coaches there, too, high school, college coaches that do the camp. Because we want to build that. But we also want to separate the kids from the dads. And so while the dads are talking to the college coach, the kids are out there playing games. We let them play full court games. I have a couple coaches out there. Then after that, we bring them all back together again. And what I always try to do is, like, I'll try to get, like, a Xavier player there or NKU player. So if John Brandon's there, I'm trying to get him to maybe do a quick workout in front of the camp for 15 minutes with a Xavier guy. Or when Chris was there, he might have an NKU or UC guy there. So they can kind of, like, cross mm-hmm. and see how, like, like they interact. Because, like, those dads are sitting there, like, we're sitting there, like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. Like, Drew McDonald's working with Chris Mack. Like, yeah. man, that's McDonald. He's working with Chris. I, that's really cool. So we do that. And then right after that, what we do is we do the slam dunk competition. So in the slam dunk competition, the dads sign up for it. So we had, like, 12 dads. And we lower the rim down to eight feet. Okay? In the first round, you get two attempts. And when you go up for the dunk, you um, you can do it on your own. The second dunk, when you get the second round, it has to be an alley you. <laughs> so your son or daughter has to throw an alley you, and it was it was a blast. Then when you get to the final round, you can do whatever you want. And so that was a really cool thing. And we go to Chris's go to the Dunkin' Donuts gift card. We do that because the Dunkin'. <laughs> so we do that, and then we have all kinds of cool um, prizes, raffle prizes. At the very end, we do Skyline Chili. My mom's there to hand out all the present uh, prizes with my sister. Um, we had Nancy Winslow there this year, the old coach from uh, NKU. They yeah. won two national titles. Yeah. Um, we've had Mount St. Joe's women's coach there. Um, we've had Thomas Moore's women's coach there because I tried to get some women's coaches sure. there for the for the females. Um, it's just a great event. I've had a lot of support. Um, Mo Eggers is a huge supporter. Lance McCowster does a lot of stuff for us. Um, and Doug Pelfrey is the one that actually yeah. got it started with me, the former Bengal. And so when you're able to reach out in the community and for those guys that help, something tragically happened to my dad and able to turn something bad into a to a positive it just makes you feel good and when they leave they get a photo with their 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 their, their dad 
And we even encourage like AAU coaches to bring a player if they want to do that. Um, they get a basketball and then get Skyline Chili. The Zhang family is a big family in, in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. They have like four or five of the uh, Skyline Chilies, the yeah. one KU. And so they're a huge supporter. When I went to him the first year, he's like, Shan, whatever you need. And he gives us probably 300 hot dogs and buns and mustard and chili and cheese and crackers. And it's just good. We get, we get you know, drinks donated and that kind of stuff. And so it makes you feel good because when they're walking out and they've experienced that day, with their, you know you've won. I mean, you've won those kids and those dads and over. And it's just, it makes me feel good that my dad, you know, looking down going, you know what, we won. And so that's, that's the main thing to me. He was competitive. I'm competitive. And he knows that we won, so that that's what makes me feel good. And like like I think it, like you said, the perfect idea. Like I remember being a kid going to baseball and basketball camps in high school and different college and stuff, and just being like, as soon as I got picked up, being just excited to tell my dad everything. Mm-hmm. And then like on the other side, being a coach at baseball, like I played uh, four years of baseball high school. Um, I remember working the baseball camps, although like I was mad at the time. I had to wake up at eight and be there yeah, coach yeah. these kids. Yep. But seeing the excitement when like at the end of the week, there's always like a game. We play like the. Uh, sixth graders against fifth graders and when all the parents come to watch just seeing the excitement and then now realizing like you know the parents are there kids are so excited to show their dad everything it's awesome exactly what you're doing I just think you you get an appreciation for and I've said this before like when you're in the moment you don't really understand but then when you go to bed at night you think about all the good things you did in that day and you really grow to to be appreciative of it and as you get older you really value your life a little bit more because you understand that it can be taken away from you instantly and uh you know, that's what happened with my dad, and you know we all have experiences with that. And, and mine didn't come until I was 35. And uh, you just appreciate things more, and you're really on, on aware. I mean, you're really aware of everything now. When you have kids, I have three kids. It's like, you know, who are they with? Are they safe? And and man, it's just it's so much different when you're a kid. You don't have to worry about anything. Exactly. It's like, hey, where am I going to eat? And you know, we get McDonald's, and we get Burger King, and and where's my next game? Man. When you're an adult, adult and you're a dad and a coach, it's like you're just in charge of so much more. But it gives you a really good feeling to know that you're impacting lives and uh, impacting young lives. And you're also impacting dads yeah. in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. And that's just the great thing about the camp. And, and then we get about 50 dads and, and, and 50 kids. And so we get about 100 or so people. And i got, like I said, great coaches and, and Cincinnati high school coaches and college coaches. And it's just a, it's great that people uh, will do it, too. And they do it. They volunteer. I mean, they get a T-shirt and they get Skyline Chili. And they're willing to do that and not get paid it means a lot. It says a lot about my dad, who he was, that people want to want to kind of help out. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's really cool too. Like you know, we said before, like I dealt with some tragedy myself, you know, back in March. Mm-hmm. So and like you know, um, now like um, my sister passed, mm-hmm. and so Boone County is doing like the answers for she went to school. She's doing a lot of really cool stuff. She played volleyball there, so they're doing a huge fundraiser and event stuff. So I'm 100 percent with you, and I think it's a great way to honor our loved ones. You know, I think it really does. What it does, it just helps close the wound a little bit and just makes you you know feel like you're doing something and if, when you don't do something you sit back uh, you you make it like someone else won you know whatever that tragedy is or, or like you know someone had drunk driver killed my dad so like that person wins but they're not gonna win and so everything becomes competitive with me and my family like I remember going to Xavier's camp and when they say hey you're going to get lunch I was always the first one you know I'm trying to like cut through <laughs> You know, you're not allowed cutting through. Well, I found a way to cut through because I was going to be the first one there. You know, when I'm driving down the street, someone, you know, I'm going to get ahead of them or whatever. You know, there's always things, but I'm so competitive. And so I want to make sure that my dad is honored and no better way to do it than a basketball camp. And then, then doing things for your sister. I mean, those are things that make you feel good. Right. Those are the things that motivate you to keep inspiring and motivating other people. And I think that's that's why we're here. We're here to make a difference with others. And I think when we when we do make a difference with others, it makes you feel really good. Yeah. So uh, I think with that being said, you know, we've been going strong about 58 minutes. 58, not Mo Egger. Like, Mo Egger's <laughs> over an hour when I talked to him. We, well, we kept it under an hour. Exactly. Well, the network's called 48 minutes, so oh, I might have man. a little bit of time. <laughs> I have to go 58 minutes. Add <laughs> 10 more to it. So, Shannon, before we get you out of here, man, I think one of the 48-minute traditions for our guests is we kind of give a chance to kind of shot themselves out in the world, social media, where they can find you. So have that be. Let me see, because I'm not a big, let's see, I, I'm on, on Twitter at cul-de-sac king. Cul-de-sac king, <laughs> only because I live on a cul-de-sac. One time I went out, and the neighbor was two houses down. It was on a Sunday morning, beautiful day, and I walked out, threw my hands up, and I told him I'm the cul-de-sac king. <laughs> Speaks to the competition. That's like, right. Yeah. I told him, like, he can't be because his house is over there. He can't move his house on the cul-de-sac. I'm on the cul-de-sac, so I'm the cul-de-sac king. <laughs> so that's where I am on Twitter. I'm also, uh, I think, Coach Miner for, for the basketball team um, on there. And, you know, I'm on Facebook. 
Um, you know, I don't do this Snapchat, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'll leave that up to the to the high school right. guys. But you know, I tweet stuff and do all that kind of things. I know, follow you, follow me. It's just good to like follow those kind of guys and follow you guys and, and that. I might get on Taylor on his uh, Twitter stuff too because it's good to see that kind of stuff when you're you know traveling or you're placing and you see things. But you know, that's my social media. It's not much, but. You know, I'm trying to stay up with uh, that, those guys. We're looking forward to following the team this year, making out to a couple games or two. So. I appreciate it. I, I enjoyed it. I love talking basketball, and uh, maybe next time we'll keep it to 48 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. Well, this has been the pilot episode of Court Stormer. So on behalf of Taylor Bergfeld, the heir to the Court Stormer throne, this is Tim Daniel. Have a good one, everybody.